The story is told of a man who spent all of his money to take a luxury cruise. When the day of the cruise came, he was so delighted to board the ship and even more excited when the ship left the dock. He couldn't believe it, that his dream had come true. It was dinner time, and he found a place, a secret place, where nobody else could see him. And in that secret place, he had a paper sack, and he pulled out his dinner, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. One of the crew members happened to see him and saw him eating from this paper sack, eating this sandwich, and hiding from everybody else. And he didn't quite understand it, so he just came to the man and asked, what's going on? And the man said, I spent all my money uh, to take this luxurious cruise. I don't have any money to buy any food. And the crew member compassionately said to the man, when you bought the ticket, that included all of the benefits of you being able to eat steak and lobster and anything you want 24 hours a day. So you don't need to be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Instead, you can eat steak and lobster. The man was ignorant of the benefits that came along with having that ticket and having bought it. And, and that's a picture sometimes of us in our walk with God. We don't recognize all of the benefits that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live our lives as spiritual paupers. We live our lives not taking advantage of all that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come to our text today, John wants to make sure that we understand the gospel benefits that are ours when we are part of the family of God. John has been saying some pretty strong things. As I've mentioned to you before, John is pretty much black and white. There is no gray area for him. And so some of the things that he's been saying in this book thus far are challenging. He, he said that if there's a person who says they have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, they lie. Uh, if a person says they have no sin, and that they have not sinned. They're deceiving themselves, and they're making God a liar. Uh, if a person says that he knows Christ, but doesn't keep his commandments, John says he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. And we saw last week, if a person says that they're in the light, but yet they hate their brother, John says, you're in the darkness. So John has said some challenging things, things that challenge even those who are genuinely saved. 
And he's come to this point in the book where he just wants to remind his readers that he believes that they are indeed a part of the family of God. That despite the challenging black and white things that he's been saying, John says, there's no question in my mind that I believe that you are a part of the family of God. And so he reassures them. He gives them confidence that they belong to God. And he does that by showing them a wonderful picture of the family of God. He gives them a picture of what the family of God looks like. And it is his hope that as they look at the picture that they will see themselves in the picture. And they will rest assured of who they are. And that they might realize that in Jesus Christ, they have so, so, so many blessings. As Paul says in Ephesians 1-3, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are rich in Christ. And there are great, great benefits for those who are members in the family of God. And so this morning, today, I want us to look at this picture that John presents so that we might rest assured that we are part of the family of God, that we see ourselves and that we can live our lives in confidence that God has blessed us greatly and and mightily and that there's so much that we have in Christ. So join me in looking at this picture of the family of God. And it is a beautiful picture in several ways. It's beautiful because everyone in this picture is a child of God, is a part of the family of God, has repented of his or her sins and put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Everyone in the picture is saved. John calls them different Things, sometimes he says they're children, they're little children, they're young men, they are fathers. But, but everyone in this picture, what makes this picture beautiful is that everyone has been born again. And what also makes this picture beautiful is just the picture frame, the way that John frames the picture. And I'm alluding to the fact of how he structures these verses. And the way that he structures these verses is, he says three times in a row, I am writing, I am writing, I am writing. And then he changes gears and says, I have written, I have written, I have written. And it's as if he wants us to look at the picture from two different angles, from his own angle and also from their perspective. And so each time that John addresses them, he addresses them saying 
because of who you are. Your children, and because you children, it's because of this. Your fathers, and the reason why your fathers is because of this. And each time he tells us who we are in Christ, he tells us that we are the family of God and we possess marvelous and wonderful benefits. Now, when we look at these gospel benefits, first of all, I want you to see them from the viewpoint of the writing of the letter. As John writes these words, it's as if he's looking at the picture of the family of God. And what he's looking at is a picture of each and every member of the church that he is writing to. And as he writes these words, he has before him this beautiful picture of them. And the first thing I want you to see are the benefits for every member of the family of God. John addresses his readers as little children. He did the same thing in chapter 2, verse 1. It's a term of affection. It's a term of endearment. It speaks of the precious relationship that exists between John and his readers. And he's going to address them that way several more times. And even ends the book by saying to them, little children, guard yourselves from idols. When John uses this term, little children, it's tempting for us to think maybe He's writing to those who are brand new to the Christian faith. But you need to resist that temptation. When he uses the phrase, little children, he's talking about every genuine believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to all of them. And he's saying to all of them, those of you who have repented of your sin, you are little children. You have entered into a relationship with God, and now John says, I have a special relationship with you. So little children aren't those who are brand new to the Christian faith, whether you're spiritually old or spiritually young or in between. If you are a Christian, you are a little child. But the amazing thing, the wonderful thing with regards to the benefits of being a little child is that your sins have been forgiven. And that's true of every child of God. John says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. And oh, how wonderful those words are. I'm glad Terrence is here. Because I remember Terrence, every time he sends an email, he, he writes the word forgiven. So I know it's special to him. But it was also special to David. In Psalm 32, verse 1, after David had committed that horrendous sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and had her husband killed, murdered. 
David says in Psalm 32, verse 1, these precious words. How blessed are those whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities have been washed away, so to speak. Twice when Jesus was on earth, he encountered individuals and told those individuals, your sins are forgiven. In Mark chapter 2, when Jesus encountered that paralytic who was on the bed carried by but the four men, remember they, they led him down through the, the roof of the room that Jesus was in. And Jesus says to the paralytic, what? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And who can forget Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, when Jesus encounters a woman who is washing his feet with her hair and with tears from her eyes. And, and, and the religious folks get upset with Jesus, but the reality is Jesus says the reason why she's doing this is because to the one who has been forgiven much, they will love much. And Jesus says to that woman, your sins have been forgiven. There, there, I, I don't know if there's too many of too many more better expressions than that. To, to, to be able to hear from God Almighty that your sins are forgiven. And, and what's mind-boggling about this is that John is not right there with the readers. He's writing this letter, and he could say to each and every one of them, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't know all of the sins that they have committed. He, he doesn't know who these individuals are as far as what they have done against God. All he knows is that they have repented of their sins and they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so he can write to them with confidence, your sins are forgiven. Your past sins, your present sins, and even whatever you might do in the future, they're forgiven. That's what he's saying to them. And, and he says it from with confidence. He, he says it knowing that it is a reality. I don't know what sins you have committed. You don't know all the sins that I have committed. But regardless of what those sins might be, there is forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the person who is a child of God, the person who has repented of his or her sin and put their trust in Christ alone, that person has had all their sins, not just up to the point of salvation, but all the sins that they have committed since salvation and all the sins that they will commit until the day they die. That person, it can be said, your sins are 
not were, but are forgiven. And so that is one of the marvelous benefits of being a part of God's family, that your sins are forgiven. And you don't have to walk around, child of God, with the weight of your sins on you. There is one who took your place. There is one who bore your sins in his body on the tree so that you might live for Christ. John goes on to speak of the benefits for older members of the family of God. As he continues to write this letter, he's still looking at this picture, this picture of them, this picture of the family of God. And now when he looks at the picture, he sees those who are fathers. Fathers, not physical fathers. And not fathers because they are old. But he's talking about those who are mature in the Christian faith. Those who know Christ, as he says. He's talking about a particular group among the children of God, among the family of God. And as he sees their faces, he addresses them. He says, fathers, I'm writing to you. Why? Because you have known him. That is, you have known Christ. Uh, We talked about that in previous sermons. It's one thing to know about Christ. It is another thing to know Christ. It's one thing to say, I know who Christ is and can articulate different doctrines. But it's another thing to say that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. Uh, These fathers, these spiritual fathers, and they're men and women. They have grown in their relationship with Christ. and, And they know him personally. Now, this is not intellectual knowledge. Just because you went to LABTS or to a Bible college or to a seminary, that does not make you a father. You might have the information, but you don't have the experience. You haven't walked with Christ through hard and difficult times. You haven't walked with Christ when your world has been turned upside down. You don't know how he is a way maker. You might know who he is intellectually. But but fathers have know him who is from the beginning. They've been walking with him from the beginning of their Christian life. They've been enjoying him. And experiencing him. And, and, and they know him intimately. That's what makes them a father. It's not how many facts they know. But it's their fellowship and their intimacy and their closeness with the one who is from the beginning. John sees among the readers those who are fathers. Those who 
know Christ experientially for themselves. They don't have to rely upon mama or daddy or the preacher or the deacon or the deaconess to tell them about who Christ is. They know from for themselves in an intimate, personal way the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, what a marvelous gospel benefit to be able to know Christ in such a way. The benefits switch from the older members of the family. Now, John focuses in on the younger members. As he continues looking at that picture of the family of God, he sees all of them as children, little children, but he also sees within that picture that some of these little children are fathers because they are spiritually mature. But now as he looks even closer at this picture, there are young men. And again, he's not talking just about males. He's talking about males and females who are youthful in their walk with God. They're young in their Christian life and in their Christian faith. But he singles them out. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, young women, young individuals in the Christian faith. I'm writing to you because, and he tells them the gospel benefit. And the gospel benefit is you have overcome the evil one. He says to these young ones in the faith, you have overcome the evil one. You're an overcomer. You are a conqueror. You are a victor. You're not someone who is continually defeated. But because you are part of the family of God, because you have been born again, John says you are an overcomer. And that's one of his favorite terms. You find it particularly in the book of Revelation. When we preach from Revelation 2 and 3, we kept reading about those who have overcome. And it doesn't mean anything about reaching a certain spiritual level. It was those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're young ones. But not speaking of physical age, not speaking of necessarily how long they've been living, because you can be an old man or an old woman, and in John's mind, you're a young man if you just recently put your faith or your trust in Jesus Christ. But whoever he's referring to as those young ones, he can say, you're an overcomer. That you are a victor. You're not someone who's at the disposal of sin and of the devil. He says to them, you have overcome who? The evil one. Here, evil is personified. It's not just seen as evil deeds, but it's an evil person. 
And who is the evil one? It's the devil. John will mention the devil three times in one verse. In chapter 3, verse 8, he will say concerning the devil, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil is real, and he's not wearing a red outfit and a pitchfork and horns. He is real. He is the evil one. He's alive, and he roams about seeking whom he may devour. He wants you. He wants to eat you up. First Peter 5, 8 makes that clear. And Peter says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. We act like there is no evil one. We act like there is no devil. We act like there is not one who is seeking to do us damage and harm. He's out to do evil toward those who are part of the family of God. He's out to do evil to those who are not a part of the family of God. One of the great works of the evil one, the devil, is that he wants to keep you from salvation. That, that's one of the greatest works of the devil, to keep you from salvation. But if you're a young man or a woman, if you're young in the faith, if you repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ, then you have overcome the evil one. You're a conqueror. You're victorious. The devil has been unsuccessful in keeping you from being a child of God. You've overcome by God's grace and by God's enablement. He's lost that battle. He's lost that war, but don't think he's finished. Now that you are a child of God, he, he still seeks to, to, to hinder you in your sanctification, in your no quest to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He can't stop you from being a part of the family of God, but he can seek to stop you in your growth as a Christian. And so John says to the young in the family of God, the young members, the, the blessed privilege, the blessed benefit is that you are an overcomer. Well, my friends, if that is true of you, if that is your situation, don't think for a moment that you don't have an arch enemy of your soul. Don't think for a moment that Satan and his demonic beings are not going to try to hinder you in your walk with God. And so we have a responsibility. I remember what Kobe Bryant said to Paul Gasol. Put on your big boy pants. Man up. And that's what we need to do spiritually. 
We're in Christ, but we have an enemy of our soul. And we are to resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. What a wonderful benefit to know that the young in the faith, to know those who are the younger members of the family of God, that they are overcomers. The view changes as we look at the remaining portion of our text. The gospel benefits are now viewed from the receiving of the letter. And let me see if I can make that a little bit clearer. John has introduced these gospel benefits by saying, I am writing, I am writing, I am writing. But now when you look at the end of verse 13 and you look at verse 14, he doesn't say, I am writing. He says, I have written. He's not talking about some previous book. He says, I have written, I have written, I have written. He, he, he's basically picturing that time when they receive this letter that John has written. So John is here sitting down writing the letter. He's been looking at this portrait of them as a family of God. The time is going to go, come when they receive the letter and the letter will be read to them. And John is now saying, I don't want you just to simply think about how I view you, but I want you to look at yourselves. I want to reinforce in your mind that the benefits, the blessings of being a part of the family of God. He's still talking about being a part of the family of God and what comes with that, but it's just from a different angle. And so he said, I have written. So when they have the, the letter in their hands, when they hear it read to them, it can be said, the letter has been written. It's finished. But again, what John presents to his readers, look at yourselves in this picture of the family of God. And he goes through the same family members He talks about the benefits for all the members of the family. This time he addresses all the members as children. Before he said little children. And you might think it's the same, but it's really different. John is picturing all of the members of the family of God as those under his instruction, those under his training. When he calls them children, he's not using a term of endearment, but he's using a term that says, each and every one of you are under my instruction, under my training. I am your spiritual father instructing you in the things of God. And he says to these children, here's the gospel benefit of being a member of the family of God. And and the gospel benefit is you know the Father. Children, I have written to you because you know the Father. 
And this is really a, a, a wonderful expression because it's not necessarily talking about intimacy and closeness that was spoken of of the fathers who knew Christ. Here is talking about a child recognizing his or her daddy. You know that I'm enjoying life having a grandparent. You know, Cammy brings joy and happiness at most of the time uh, in my life. But she, she calls me Papa. And just recently, a couple of days ago, she FaceTimed with me. My daughter had her on the phone and said, tell, tell Papa what you've learned. And she had learned that Papa was her grandfather. She had never put those two together. That your Papa is also your grandfather. Because all she knows when she sees me is Papa. And so when she's at church, she doesn't run up to you and say, Papa. That's just for me. No, she knows me. She knows that I'm her Papa. She doesn't know a whole lot. She knows that I preach here. She knows that I got an office here that I keep candy up there for her. But she knows certain things. But she doesn't know everything about me. But there's one thing she knows. I'm Papa. And John is kind of using that idea. That when it comes to the Father, those who are part of the family of God, they might not know all the things about God. They might not know God is omnipotent or God's omniscient or God is omnipresent, but they know that God is daddy, that God is their heavenly father. They they might not be able to tell you too much. No, uh, some who are new in the faith can't really say a lot, Those who are old in the faith can say a lot, but what everyone agrees upon is that each one can look at the God of heaven and earth and say, Father, Daddy. Every child of God. He's not the man upstairs. He's not some person Name Allah or this or that. He is my father. He's the one who cares for me. He's the one that I can come to. Oh, I might not be able to articulate all the things about the attributes of God. I might not be able to tell you about all of the wonderful acts of God from Genesis to Revelation. But I can tell you that he is my father. I can tell you that from the depths of my soul. He's daddy to me. He's my heavenly father. I, I, I cry out from the bottom of my soul, Abba, father. I know that as a child of God, I have this relationship. And what a blessed benefit that is. That every child of God knows God as father. Your earthly father you might have never known. Your your earthly father might have been 
the worst kind of human being there was. But there is a heavenly father. And that those who are born again, who are part of the family of God, they know God as father. John goes on to talk about the benefits for the older members of the family. And what he says at the beginning of verse 14 is the same thing that he said previously. Nothing new is added. I have written to you, older, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who has been from the beginning. And he's just reminding us of the fact that in the family of God, there are those who know Christ. That he's the great I am. They know from experience that he is the good shepherd. They know personally that he is the door. They know that he is the way and the truth and the life. They know that he is the resurrection. They know Christ because they've been walking with him. And so John concludes by looking at the benefits of the younger members of the family. Same group that he mentioned earlier, young in the Christian faith. And he mentions once again that they are overcomers. But he adds a couple other benefits when it comes to those who are young in the faith. He says, you are strong. You're strong. You're not wimps, but you're spiritually strong. You're spiritually firm. You're not like a noodle. Strong and firm and solid. He could say that to everyone who's young in the faith. That they didn't have to be walking with God many years. They don't have to know all the ins and outs about who God is. They are strong according to John. And the reason why they're strong is because God's word abides in them. That's what gives us strength. That's what gives us the ability to resist the devil. That's what gives us the ability to say no to sin. Abiding in the word. At Fairview, we talk about it as Bible intake. Hearing the word, reading the word, studying the word, memorizing the word, meditating on the word. Got to take the Bible in for it to abide in you. Does the psalmist put it this way? I, I treasured up God's word in my heart. I, I got it in me. And the goal is I don't want to sin against God. So here are those even young in the faith. Have they conquered every sin? Have they overcome every sin? No. But yet John could say, look, you're not weaklings. You don't need to be kicked down on the ground. Satan doesn't have to trample over you. You are strong. And your strength comes not from your own ability, but from the word. We love to make reference to Ephesians 3.20 when it comes to prayer. 
And we love to say how God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we might ask or think. What a great God we have. But we stop there. We don't finish the rest of the verse. How is God able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we might ask or think? He's able to do it according to the power within us. Within us. Paul said it's the Holy Spirit in us that makes us strong through the Word of God. And so the blessed gospel benefits of being young when it comes to the Christian faith is that you're strong, the Word of God abides in you, and you are an overcomer. Gospel benefits, forgiveness of sins, knowing Christ, being an overcomer, knowing God as Father, being strong, having the Word abide in you. Those are the gospel benefits that you and I have or can experience as members of the family of God. And the question we have to ask ourselves, are we enjoying those benefits? Are we experiencing those benefits? Or are you secretly hiding, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches instead of enjoying steak and lobster that is yours as benefits in Christ Jesus? My friends, don't play the gospel cheap. It has rich and wonderful benefits. Benefits that you can't get from your job. Benefits you can't get from a relationship with another human being. Nothing compares with the benefits of being a member of the family of God. So the question I have to ask you, do you see yourself in this picture that John has presented himself? When you look at the picture of the family of God, is your face in the picture? A lot of times we like to do that, don't we? We take pictures of a large group and we we look for ourselves. Well, I, I want you to look for yourself in this picture of the family of God. Are you in that picture? If not, then my appeal to you is repent of your sins. Put your faith in Christ so that God can save you. And you'll see yourself in the picture. But if you do see yourself in this beautiful, marvelous picture of the family of God. Make sure that you are enjoying all of the privileges and all of the benefits that belong to those who are members of God's family. Let's pray together.
Father, you are so good, so very, very good to us, whether we're a part of your family or not, but particularly to those of us who are part of your family. You have been good to us. You continue to be good to us. Help us not to be snacking on the cheap things of this world, but help us to be enjoying the the full course meals that are ours in Jesus Christ. Thank you for these gospel benefits. How wonderful it is to know that by being a member of your family, that we are forgiven, that we know you as Father. How wonderful it is to know that we can grow in our personal walk with you and and be fathers, spiritually mature, so that we can know Christ intimately and, and personally. And that's true of our lives for a period of time, a long period of time. And Father, how wonderful it is to know that even if we're young in the faith, we are overcomers. By your grace, you have allowed us to overcome the enemy of our souls, Satan, so that we're a part of your family. But help us, Lord, to realize that we are also strong in the thing that strengthens us, that helps us in our walk with you, is when the word of God is abiding in us. Thank you for these marvelous gospel benefits. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.